Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, welcome everyone to Smarter Building Materials Marketing. I am Zach Williams, and I'm alongside my co-host, Beth Popnikolov. I don't know about you, but it feels like people are more and more distracted than ever before. So if you're listening, think about how many times you check your phone or your email or social media on a given day. It's crazy. And as technology is expanding and, and people are becoming more and more distracted, if you will, this is presenting, at least what we're seeing, is presenting huge problems for building material companies because if we want to grow our awareness or if we want to grow leads, we want to grow sales, we've got to get people's attention. But their attention span is not only decreasing, but there are more things pulling at them. And this is why we're really excited to have Kurt Steinhorst join us today on the show. Kurt's the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Can I Have Your Attention? It, it's a book that actually focuses on inspiring better work habits and getting stuff done in a constantly connected you know, work environment. So he spent years studying the impact of technology on human behavior, and he's actually founded a consultancy called FocusWise that helps organizations overcome the challenges of constantly connected individuals in the workplace. And this also includes how to get your audience's attention, even though they are bombarded with information and they are overwhelmed with being connected to devices and technology too. He's worked with some really cool companies like JP Morgan, Allstate, Nationwide, Honda, Raytheon, McDonald's, and even my personal favorite, Taylor Swift's record label. So we're really excited to have him join us on the show. So welcome, Kurt. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. So Kurt, let, let's kick things off. And why don't you just give us a 30,000 foot view of who you are and focus wise and kind of your claim to fame in the consulting space? Yeah, so I my background uh, originally was in the study of communication and how the way we communicate changes as a function of technology. So um, I am a part of a team that studies trends in understanding how the world is changing, how the workplace is changing, how humans are changing within that workplace. And so uh, it's super fun. It gives me a chance to work with really interesting people uh, from every major industry. And uh, fundamentally, we, we are uh, here to ask the question, like, what does it mean to effectively communicate? What does it mean to actually move the ball forward in a world that is totally unlike any in history when it comes to um, both the way we interact with our customers and the way that we interact uh, with the people that we work alongside? And Kurt, you actually started, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but you started by talking about millennials at first, right? And then what you found is that some of the trends that people were having with you know, marketing to millennials has shifted across that generation to, frankly, every generation. Is that right? Yes. So I, uh, for now six years, have been a part of the largest generational research firm in North America and uh, have had a chance to speak and, and talk on the issues of Gen Z and millennials for years and still do that and, and love, love, love working with the Center for Generational Kinetics. But um, there is this weird thing that has taken place, which is the way that we relate to our technology, while there is a generational layer for sure, has actually transcended classical generational um, bounds. So, you know, if you look, it's not even millennials, for instance, who are the most connected to social. It's actually, it's actually Gen X. And then if you throw in TV as a part of screen time, boomers have the most screen time in a given week out of anybody. 
the technology has become so simple that it no longer requires a learning curve, which means that 94% of the U.S. population, for instance, is connected to our smartphones. And that connection is not just occasional. It's, it's 150 sessions a day. It's every four to six minutes that we look at it, 2,617 screen swipes and touches every 24 hours. 87% uh, of people will check their phone between midnight and 5 a.m. at least once a week. Uh, and, and that isn't of a, people of a particular age, although it's often blamed by people of a particular age. I think that's a really important point for our audience, Zach, because we so often hear people say, oh, my audience isn't online. Because if you're targeting the distributor or dealer who typically tends to be an older Gen X or usually even a baby boomer, we hear them say, we can't reach them online or we can't do any type of online marketing. We've got to just do what we've always been doing, typical mailers, sales reps in the store. But, and what we always say, what, what you're confirming, Curtis, we're like, that just can't be true. There's no way that Facebook has however many billion users and none of those guys are lumber dealers. Yeah, and I, I hear this all the time too. The, the pro, there's two, uh, like to add to what you're saying, there's a couple layers that I just want to spotlight. And uh, the first one is um, Facebook in terms of um, the growing size and, and who's going there more and more it are actually the older generations, period. So that's the first thing to acknowledge. But then the, the bigger picture is that uh, many people have an outdated picture of who is actually their customer. If you think about it, the majority of the workforce has spent more time in work with their smartphone than without it. And you're now talking about a, an increasing percentage of people who are working who, you know, it came around more than 10 years ago. So an increasing percentage have literally never worked without the benefits and consequences of these devices that have radically changed the way that we interact in basically every facet of our lives. So, Kurt, maybe for those people that are listening here, what are some of the things that you're seeing you know, if you're like, let's say you're a manufacturer, what are some of the things that you're seeing in terms of individuals, you know, targeting or companies targeting individuals to get their attention and how that's changing? Like, what are some of the changes that you're seeing in the marketplace to get people's attention? It's interesting because different industries handle things differently. I, I think the biggest, uh, one of the biggest challenges right now is the volume of information makes it really hard to, um, hard to know the proper and, and, and good ways forward for someone who says, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. People don't, you know, we're four to six phone calls a day is how many people receive. Uh, so we shouldn't be on phones. We're going to send them mailers that they don't even know where their mailbox is. <laughs> okay, I get it. But then uh, there's a lot of uh, complexity and confusion about what it actually looks like to effectively interact with someone in this um, overwhelmingly uh, high volume digital playground that we have when it comes to communication. And so um, there's a lot of people that are jumping onto social media and the vast majority of small businesses are on social media. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of them that have like 12 followers and aren't uh, actually generating any uh, traction with what they're trying to do. And why do you think that's the case? Why, why aren't people getting traction with, with individuals? Because they don't understand what people go to social media for. And they don't understand what's 
driving it and and they hear they need to be on Twitter. And so they get on Twitter and, and they make an even bigger mistake often, which says, I'm gonna hire that young kid. He's on he's on the social media. He's on the Facebook or the Snapchat, and then, and they think that 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 person is an expert because they're on it. And the truth is, uh, in a world where people have unlimited access to everything that they could want with one click, name a thing, right? You you name a thing, you can have it with one click right now. Ladybugs, fifteen hundred. I found on Amazon, I can buy fifteen hundred ladybugs with one click. You can do that. that means that that uh, no longer is the challenge uh, sending a message. The challenge is, in fact, having them even care. And so we misunderstand the, the value proposition. To me, that begs the question, are audiences interruptible? Can you effectively communicate with them on social or online anymore? Yes, for sure. In fact, it's uh, um, but the way it looks is different and the space that you occupy can make some major differences. I, I think there's a few principles that are really important when we approach social and when we approach digital communication and, and communication in general uh, to make better decisions. Uh, and, you know, the first is just understanding that, that um, humans are humans. People are people. And, and so what we're looking for actually hasn't changed. Uh, that means uh, people like to connect to people. They don't like to connect to, to, to stodgy brands. So how am I making sure that I'm revealing my humanity and they're seeing me as a human and then I value them uh, is one really critical principle. Uh, another critical principle is recognizing that um, we have to give people what it is they want in these interactions. So how am I making them the hero in the way that I'm interacting? How am I um, actually, like, they like to be cool. So how am I liking their stuff? How am I reposting stuff for them? Like, like it's not me throwing out 25% off deals. It's not me saying, like, here's, a, here's the newest form of lumber you should know about. It, it's actually, it's asking the question, what can I do to provide value across the places that they're going to be on anyways? You know, it's funny you say that because I feel like Beth and I sometimes feel like we're beating a dead horse. <laughs> I we was t- <laughs> just thinking that. You know, I mean, I feel like we, we say this all the time, like it, it can't be about you. Like we, we have the saying, like we, we tell people all the time, like you wouldn't believe this, but people don't care about you. That's right. They only care about themselves, which sounds bad, but it's true. Like you've got to show, if you're a marketer, you've got to show somebody that you care about them if you want them to listen. Now, caring about them looks differently, you know, depending upon what kind of building product you sell. But you've got to give them what they're looking for. You've got to realize why are they on Facebook or why are they on Instagram or why are they on Pinterest? And how can you give them what they're looking for? Not, hey, look at us at our trade show booth. That's right. You know, there's, there's places for that, but it, it really needs to be focused on what your audience wants. And I, I'm so glad you said that because you say it better than I do, but it was really, really good. So I, I think with, with that being said, Kurt, I, I'd love to know, you know from you, do you have any examples of brands maybe outside of the building product space that are doing this really well? Not just doing social media, but they're getting the attention of, of their audience in a way that's different or that's following this shift. Great, great question. Uh, there's you know an endless number of, of really, really good organizations that are doing stuff. Orange Theory Fitness is a, a classic example of how they've differentiated within their space um, and, and created a, a really like 
apostles. <laughs> these, these, like their fans are not just their fans, their users are actually, that's part of like, what does it mean to, uh, like it's an identity issue for them. Um, I, I think, and, and I do want to spotlight what Orange Theory Fitness is doing in particular is uh, they recognize that they're um, in, in an increasingly, so the way I, let me pull back for a second here actually. And, and so like at its core, what's taking place is we, we've seen the value proposition of work and of companies have to change when the world went from being an information economy or an economy defined by uh, limited access, meaning uh, the companies that were able to provide you something you couldn't get elsewhere, give you information you couldn't get elsewhere, were able to reach uh, they could like the problem was like I needed to get a book of the right people who wanted to buy like the bottleneck was around access right well the bottleneck is no longer access like it's we have unlimited access and that is really important because if we continue to think that we're going to provide value in a world where everything is unlimited and we're going to like um, do the same things I, I'm going to send you lots of information that no one can read then we're going to have some issues and so knowing that it's like everyone has this unlimited access, has unlimited resources, or has, what, I'm going to try that again in English. Uh, knowing that everyone has unlimited access to anything they want, uh, what we actually like to connect to, what moves it from just being a transaction to a, uh, to a, uh, a relationship that makes other people, makes us want to share about it, is, uh, is that emotional, human, experiential connection. And so what that means is we don't care about buying hardwood one place versus another, but what we do care about is the lifestyle uh, that we can get uh, by a, and a vision for great uh, design of floors and things that we'd never expected or experienced before. And so when you can align yourself both with how um, you're facilitating a lifestyle and two, how you have a personality and we see that in the way that you communicate across digital channels, then we're interested. Okay, Kurt, so maybe you can help those that are listening as well as Beth and I understand and make sense of this crazy digital world that we live in. Like how would you help us just make sense of all of it? Great question. One of the big problems that we have today is that you can go anywhere and say, well, you got to be on Twitter. You got to be on social. You need to be on uh, LinkedIn. Don't worry about any of those. And there's the volume of noise and information about what you're supposed to do uh, can make it really, really hard to make sense of what actually is driving these changes. And, and so I, more important than whether someone needs to be on Instagram or not on Instagram, needs to go old school or not, I, I think we need to really ask the question, uh, what is it that's changed? And what is it that a customer really needs? And then we have the capacity when we understand that to make better decisions on how we choose to interact and engage. And, and so really, it all starts with an understanding that we live in a world of unlimited access, that, that, that for all of history, the thing that organizations, that, that, that someone who was making a product wanted was they wanted to have um, control of their product where the only way someone could actually be able to buy it was through you, right? And that gave the, the brand or the product control. And then the problem on the other side is they wanted to have the ability to reach a customer. But today, it's you have infinite access with no barriers to the customer. The customer has infinite access, no barriers to you. And so there's a few things that 
more important than particular strategies, we have to realize that people are seeking. And uh, the first one is control. If we think we can control the experience, then we're going to lose them because they have full control now. Um, the second one is they want convenience. If it's hard to deal with, it, any any obstacle, meaning uh, anything that is made complicated in any part of the sales cycle, this is we've always wanted to have it easy, but now we're used to one click. But then there's this other piece, and that's that we want to have real connection within the convenience and while having control, uh, we want to have real connection to the people behind the brands that we work with. And so th that really can help us to think, like how am I one making it more convenient for them? How am I making sure that I'm not trying to say, you can't do it this way, I'm not taking control. And then how am I facilitating a deeper relationship rather than it being a simple transaction? So can, can you break down for us, Kurt, more what you're talking about when it comes to building connection between brands and customers. I would love to. This is the this is the real opportunity here. It's interesting because we lived in this we lived in this weird period for, you know, the previous 30 years where we saw the rise of brands fully separated by uh, separated from the people behind them, right? You know, if I wasn't it didn't matter who I was, I worked for IBM, I wore a blue suit. And the brand became more important than the people behind them. And what's interesting is today we have unlimited connectivity, but we are actually more isolated and fragmented than ever before. And so people go to digital channels and they go to uh, actual live channels with a, a very explicit goal of, of, of creating real connection. And, and so what that can mean for us is how do we make sure that in the work that we do, people actually see the humans behind it. So if you have a product that actually does most of the customer service interaction, things like that online, well, then we need to see your personality. You know, if uh, the, the, the idea of like, let's find on our website the way to make it sound as boring as possible where there's no personality <laughs> yeah. is a really terrible idea. Like we're going to make sure no one remembers us, right? Um, whereas uh, because of the fact that it's so global and it, it's, the world is so global and expansive, when we actually can make sure that we understand that the personality and the tribe of the people we're trying to reach and that that like I buy this thing because I'm like this like I they're they're my people I'm their people and it actually uh, it facilitates in us a desire to share that with others as well uh, the only other option is if we don't care we'll just buy the cheapest and the easiest and the fastest so you better win on convenience if you if you haven't done a good enough job to actually create real connection and, you know, the interesting thing is this plays out in the questions around, you know, what channels should I be on? Look, if you don't sell a device that or a tool or a product that that is going to um, make them cool for owning it, then that probably doesn't mean that you need to spend time like taking photos of, of someone installing it on and to put on your Instagram feed. That's probably not what it means. But there's a couple of things that it can mean. The first is for individual salespeople, uh, they, they need to be, uh, they need to be, uh, creating a consistent message that the people that they actually know, know them as experts in the space. And then that they're available on all the channels. So they're available in text, they're available in the social media channels that they would be on, so that the person who they're connecting to can uh, reach them uh, 
as easily as possible because if they can't, then they're going to go to the place that it is as easy as possible. So it's about being there, being easily available and letting people know your personality that you're working with. You would say if you have a product that's not glamorous, not aesthetic, you know, isn't visible in a finished project that really you should hone in on convenience. You still need to have an easily readable, easily navigable website. You still need to be present on other digital channels like social media, but really what you want to be is present and available. That's how you're more likely to win people. Don't try to build a lifestyle brand. Don't try to you know, have the best Instagram stories, just be accessible. Yeah, you have to be accessible. You have to be convenient. So there's a couple things that make this that are like absolutely critical today. In a world of unlimited access, our attention resources are the most limited thing that we have. So every step that you add in the process of customer service and sales is decreasing the likelihood that they will ever work with you again. Um, I have had a chance to work in the auto industry quite a bit. And, you know, sometimes there's industries that the regulatory structure and the nature of relationship allow for continued control of products. But eventually they will get, they will get disrupted and we're seeing it happen where Carvana has multi-billion dollar valuations while the numbers don't actually align because, uh, I, wait, there's a place I can click one button and then get the car I want? That's, that's the expectation. And so uh, what happens here is often um, we're so tired, we're so exhausted that like, hey, could you send me info on that thing? Yes, I'll send you 12 pages of information on that thing. <laughs> and that way I'm not having to actually do the work and you now, in, uh, in now I've ensured that you won't follow up, you won't read any of it, you won't actually connect to any of it. So how do I make sure that I'm only providing short information that is exactly what they need in formats that's as easy to use as possible? And I can make sure in every step of the customer journey, whether that's the hardware store buyer or whether it's the end customer, that, that I am doing the work so that they don't have to. And that's how you can win in... in if you don't have a lifestyle brand, which by the way, the further away it is from a lifestyle brand, this is just a simple fact. Um, if your product, the further away your product is from being direct to customer, the um, further behind your, the, the requirements on the quality of convenience and connection and control are. Like you, hey, I don't need to worry about this because we just sell to this guy and, and look, what that actually does is it gives you a chance to take advantage and see what the best of the best are doing mm -hmm. and know that if you don't do it, you will lose in the end. You just have a little bit longer window, because it, but it's coming for you. I think you're hitting on something that's, it's like a chronic problem that we see on manufacturer websites, which is the overload of information. Something really important that Zach says a lot is it's not your job to make your customer an expert in your product. Because that's, that's really, right. because for you as the manufacturer, as the salesperson, like you get super psyched up and pumped about the nitty gritty, like, you know, whatever the technical specs are. And we've been in business for this many years and this many tests and blah, blah, blah. And really your customer is on your website because they have a question. That's right. And they just want to get that question answered and you're keeping them from getting that answer. One thing I thought that was really interesting you said was that the further away you are from the customer, 
the less quickly you have to adapt to changing technology is basically what you're saying, correct? Like you have, you have time to see what the market is doing. You don't have to push the envelope as much. But if, but if you're not pushing it to some extent, you're eventually going to get passed. It's a, it sounds like you're, you're saying that there's a really interesting limbo for, for building product companies. Is that right? Yeah, it, I'll, I'll make it really simple. You can have a building, and we, we've had a chance to work quite a bit in construction and building, and you can easily have a building person that comes up to me and says something like, well, you know, I, you know, we have, we've been doing it the same way forever, and it's still working, and so what you're talking about is just, it doesn't really apply, right? And, and what I would say is, the person that you're saying doesn't still wants to have a phone call and you drive up and then you take 30 minutes of their time and you tell them like, um, here's all the manuals that you need to read. That person is buying through Amazon Prime with one click. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah. their personal life has caught up and they're not buying products that, that uh, on a personal level that put them through the, the challenges that often is occurring at work but know that if that's their preference at home, that's their preference at work. And that means whoever finally does actually move that direction, that person is the person that will win all the business. So really as a marketer, probably marketers are wired this way anyway, but what you should be hearing is there's actually incredible opportunity. Oh my gosh. It's for me the, to get ahead. No one, right. None of my competitors are doing this. If I did just a little bit better, I could make a huge difference in sales. That's right. If I just simplified, uh, shortened the the word count, made the uh, decision-making process far easier, uh, made uh, the visuals align with what people are used to, you know, they're competing with Instagram. If I just uh, made sure that we made uh, easy access and availability across the channels that, that people are on, then we're going to have a massive, massive, massive uh, uh, advantage over everyone else. All right, Kurt. Well, we really appreciate you joining us on the show. For people that want to get in touch with you or they want to, let's say, read your book or find out what other resources you have, do you have a a website or an email address or some way they can get in touch with you? Of course. Would love to continue the dialogue. The easiest place is probably email. And you can just email me at cs at focuswise.com. So cs at focuswise.com. Dot com, all one word. Uh, you can also go to the website, FocusWise. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there. That's an easy channel to connect. I uh, would love to, you know, what we didn't talk a lot about uh, was the other side. And um, the fact is the most important way to reach a customer whose attention resources are more and more depleted is by actually uh, creating a team and, a, and an organization that can focus above all of the noise. And so that's, the book is actually more focused on that. And um, it was written for the distracted person in mind. I, I hope it can be a resource for you guys. But uh, if nothing else, feel free to reach out and, and let me know if there's any questions you have. That's great. And we'll definitely include that stuff in the show notes for this podcast. Uh, but until next time, thanks everybody for listening. And thanks, Kurt, for joining us. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit benvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.